Does one AFC West receiver coming off an injury represent a nice buying opportunity right now? Did one AFC South backfield go from clear cut to muddy with a new addition? And how high is too high to draft Najee Harris in Football Guys drafts? Plus, the six-time Football Guys Players Championship league winner Jeff Zedler will drop by to talk about his shocking strategy he employed in one Football Guys draft this week and, of course, much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, as always, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, this is two Thursdays in a row that you and I are getting together to talk shop here uh, on the HSFF Hour. How did everything go with the Quiet Hollers in Louisville at Headliners last Friday? Wonderful evening, Balky. You know, the, the evening started, uh, and I could tell first couple of tunes that the band hadn't played in a year or so, you know, I could get a feel for it, but uh, there is a hit off the uh, Amen Breaks album because, uh, called uh, Broken Guitar, and uh, that song always seems to bring the crowd together, and uh, from there, the concert went to a new height, and it was an enjoyable evening, and I, I spent it in the very back row selling all the merch, and... Uh, it was all gone but a couple of CDs when the, when the show was over. So it was a blast. Well, good for you. Farrell Elliott, NFL agent and uh, merch um, merch uh, a salesman, yeah. as it were. So oh, congratulations yeah, yeah. to you. It's, you got to get the T-shirt. Well, we're you know, take the I, show. I live to sell the T-shirts. That's all I really want to do is sell the T-shirts. <laughs> you should get a T-shirt that says that, Farrell. That, now that's yeah. art right there. I live to sell the T-shirts. Um. We, uh, we're going to try to take the show to new heights tonight. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. going to be a very interesting show. We're, we're going to talk about where the draft value lies amongst the Cardinals' backfield, whether Amon Ross St. Brown can be a late-round difference maker for FFPC redraft players. And then Jeff Zedler is going to join us to talk about um, you know, some of the Jets, Packers, and Dolphins, those specific teams, um, the players yeah. that he likes, doesn't like in there. But we're really going to get into game theory here with him tonight. And he has a very interesting approach, an approach that I think not a lot of people have 
um, taken in football guys drafts or main event drafts before. We're going to get his thoughts on that and how he um, oh, exhibited those, uh, that strategy this past week. Well, you know, I was in that draft, Balky, and he's got a lot of explaining to do. He, he really does. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, uh, he's gonna... I'm very anxious. I'm very, very anxious to hear uh, his explanation of his activities. So, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, it will be good. We're excited to do it. Uh, just as a reminder, there is 11 days left. That's right, just 11 days to not only get yourself in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's drawing, but to save $100 on your first FFPC main event team. Uh-huh. May 31st is the last day you can do it. 11 days to go on that. And uh, remember, um, $400 off each additional team, too. The 2021 Football Guys Players Championship is underway. $500,000 for first, $100,000 for second. And don't forget, you can get a free $35 FFPC credit when you join right now and uh, draft your team before July 15th. So if you join by June 30th, draft your team for ju- by July 15th, you'll get a free $35 team credit. And we'll do that up to three times for you on that. The inaugural best ball tourney, this is a big announcement from the FFPC this week. It is underway. Leagues have already filled a $100,000 grand prize in a $550,000 prize pool only $125 entry, so definitely check that out. The first ever best ball tourney that the FFPC has ever launched, and it is underway right now. Dynasty Startups obviously going strong, and don't forget about the 2021 best ball drafts that start at just $5 for the Cinco de Best Ball at myffpc.com. And get in on all those checkered flag drafts that are going on at kffsc.com right now. Don't forget, I'll be drafting Memorial Day night, trying to defend the belt. If you want to take me on and Trust me, it's not a high bar to jump over. Uh, Join the KFFSC checkered flag and take your shot at $5,000 there uh, for the grand prize. Thanks to Football Guys, Josh Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's kick things off in the Emerald City where Adam Schefter is reporting Joe Burrow is, quote, all systems go for week one. I'm going to butcher this guy's name. This is the doctor that was talking about it, Dr. Neil Elatrash. I'm it's a terrible name for a doctor. It's a terrible name for anybody. But I think that's what it was. But anyway, he was working with the Bengals and Joe Burrow's rehab. Burrow said that he, he – before this, he said he always expected to be ready for week one. Well, you take what the players say about their injuries with kind of a grain of salt. Um, but we may not see him in the preseason, and mm-hmm. we might see him – the first time we see him back might be week one of the season. So, Farrell, you look at this, um, the Bengals um, eschewed offensive tackle and offensive line in the first round, mm-hmm. didn't get Panay Sewell. They went with Jamar Chase, uh, who joins Tyler Boyd. Um, no A.J. Green, obviously, on that team anymore. Um, but you look at um, – and T. Higgins, obviously, one of the other pass catchers that Joe Burrow is going to have. He is, was one of the quickest to get rid of the ball last year um, and was very successful when he did, Farrell. Are you at all concerned about drafting Joe Burrow as, like, maybe QB9, QB10, when you may not see him until the real bullets start flying in week one? No, and I think he's a very, very big bargain for where he's going. You know, you run him, you put him as a running mate with Justin Herbert, and you've got to pay a lot more uh, to get Herbert. These guys were neck and neck statistically. Burrow had just come off that late October game uh, before injury against Cleveland, which which I think was another Cincinnati Bengals loss. And, and Balky, that's the Queen City, the Queen City of Cincinnati. But, you know, uh, ah. this guy – this kid was playing like this kid was truly playing like a king against Cleveland over 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. He rushed for another touchdown, and you could see it 
all coming together for fantasy players uh, before he had to uh, go on injured reserve. So it was a, it was a terrible loss for the season. I would have absolutely no problem drafting this player. And, you know, I haven't yet, and I probably should. So I'm going to start looking at that. But, uh, yeah, exciting times for the Cincinnati offense. Can they score enough points to win some games? Maybe they can. Yeah, they, they might be getting in some shootouts uh, this year with that high-powered offense. Yes. Do Joe Burrow want to give a shout-out to Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani, FantasyMojo.com, who um, we get all this ADP data uh, from. Joe Burrow is going at quarterback 10 at the 10.06 right now in football guys drafts over the last five days. That is right behind Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers. It is right ahead of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. Not only did I offend all the or Cincinnati listeners, Farrell, by calling it the Emerald City, I offended all the, the listeners we have in Seattle, too, which is mm. indeed the Emerald City. So th- just both ends mm. of the spectrum tonight. Just everybody tuning out. Hopefully they'll stay aboard and, and hear my next faux pas coming up. Um, Cortland, no. let's go to Denver. The Mile High City. I think I'm ready. Yeah, uh, I'm go, right on that one. You're back on direct. Thank you. Direct. Thank you so much. Cortland Sutton on Monday said the quote game plan is for him to be ready for training camp. Zach Stevens on Twitter was the source of this little nugget. Cortland Sutton did not play in week one last year because of a shoulder injury. And then when he came back in week two, he tore his ACL ended the year with three catches or 66 yards on just 31 snaps. Now, if he is ready for the start of training camp, that is 10 months after he tore the ACL. And obviously ACL repairs and rehabs seem to be going quicker and quicker uh, these days, and, and certainly it would not surprise anybody if Sutton was back um, by the start of training camp. He's already been running pass routes. This happened a couple of months ago. And Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe Aaron Rodgers, is going to be his quarterback this year, Farrell. I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know if you have any Sutton shares at all. He is going as wide receiver 30 at the end of the sixth round. It's right behind your boy Chase Claypool and Odell Beckham, right Mm -hmm. ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster and DJ Chark. I would imagine if you have the choice between Claypool and Sutton, you're always going to go Claypool. But what if if Claypool is gone and and Sutton's staring you in the face at the end of the sixth round? Does that seem like good value to you? Great value. I've seen him in the seventh and occasionally the eighth, and I try to target him all the time. Cortland Sutton, it is just such a huge disappointment not to have this player on the field in 2020. What a glorious 31 snaps it was. He is, uh, you know, he, he's everything you want in a player, Balky. He's, he doesn't time that 40. You know, he's a, he's a 4-5 to 4-6 guy, but he is so explosive. And his vertical uh, it proves that. He jumped out of the gym at Pro Day. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's saddled with a developing quarterback. He's saddled with various injuries. I'm beginning to wonder if this kid is just snake bit. And I hope this year he can break out of it because he, with Jerry Judy on the other side, with the tight end Fant, um, this is a, a beautifully run offensive team. We might get to talk about the running backs later. I love this Bronco team. If the quarterback can't get it together uh, this year, uh, you know, and maybe it will be Teddy. We've got, we got a warm spot. Uh, in our heart uh, for Teddy here in Louisville, Kentucky, and we want things to happen great for him and, and, and Court and Sutland. Court and Sutland is going to deliver that for whoever plays quarterback for the Broncos. And if they can't get this kid the ball, they don't really deserve to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
It's interesting because Noah Fant is going, uh, granted, if this is, you know, Thailand premium FFPC, but Noah Fant on, on his ADP right now is at the 605, Sutton going at the 612. They are the first Broncos pass catchers off the board going in the same round, even though they play different positions. Um, Paris Campbell. Now, let's talk about him here for a second, Farrell, because this is a guy I've, I've grabbed late in a few drafts so far. Stephen Holder on Twitter uh, announced that uh, Paris Campbell said he's 100% recovered from his season-ending knee injury that also took place in week two last season. He has indeed mm-hmm. been cleared to practice for Indianapolis. Now, the one week he was healthy, unlike Sutton, he did not miss week one because of a shoulder injury. Week one last year, uh, nine targets. He caught six of them for 71 yards. He is 23 right now. He turns 24 in July. And this, again, almost a full year to recover from this ligament tear. But this is not the only injury that Paris Campbell's had. In fact, he's been kind of snake bed, as you said, with Sutton over the course of his career with a lot of nagging injuries. Four different injuries, in fact, in his rookie year that uh, culminated in a season-ending uh, broken foot injury. Now, you look at where Campbell's going right now, um, and, and I think there is some value here when, when you're looking for players, again, 16th round, 17th round. Who else are you going to find there with the upside of Paris Campbell? He's going behind Amon Ross St. Brown and Kadarius Toney. He's going right ahead of Quintez Cephas and Russell Gage. Farrell, I love Paris Campbell in the 16th round this year. New quarterback, I get that, but we just don't know who that number one receiver is going to be. Could be Campbell, could be Pittman, could be Hilton. Who knows? You've got my attention, and I think it is Pittman, and I think it is Hilton. There's going to be plenty of balls in the air here. And, yeah, Balky, you've got my attention on this player. I turned away from him when T.Y. Hilton executed his contract and stayed there uh, in Indianapolis. And, uh, yes, I can I can see benefit uh, to choosing Paris Campbell off some of the rookies that I have been taking uh, in that 16 round. So, yeah, so yeah Paris Campbell is, is a player that uh, if you don't have him on a roster and you've been doing some volume drafting and then uh, – you probably need to, to look that over just like I'm going to do. Yeah, I think Campbell, I mean, good best ball guy, too. I mean, you never know how these things can work out. And, and the price is indeed right for me right now. Eat your heart out, Bob Barker, because I am loving Paris Campbell in the 16th or even 17th round. We have Jeff Zedler, the six-time Football Guys Players Championship League winner coming up. He is uh, warming up in the bullpen, so to speak, right now. The last thing I want to get to before we get to Jeff, and I did – I. Normally, I would not bring something like this up, but I feel like after mm-hmm. seeing some of these drafts uh, with the FFPC, I, I need to. Tim Tebow is officially mm-hmm. back in the NFL as he signed his one-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the team announced on Twitter. Now, Tebow, 33 years old. He has not played mm-hmm. in a regular season NFL game in nearly a decade, and he's going to take on a role besides tight end, according to the team. This, of course, if he even makes the team at all. Now, back in the day, Tim Tebow had 12 rushing touchdowns in 14 regular season starts at quarterback for the Broncos. Now, Urban Meyer coached him at Florida, obviously. Maybe he is going to to bring him in uh, when they get close to the goal line. I don't know why you would do that, but I guess it's possible. There's a non-zero chance of it happening. Um, Tebow may not, like I said, may not even make the roster. Chris Manhurts is the only other competition for tight end right now in the Jaguars room that could keep him off the roster. And Farrell, I keep seeing people drafting Tim Tebow 
as a tight end in, in FFPC leagues and football guys leagues late. Now, far be it for me to say it's a stupid pick. Anything um, after the, the 10th round, quite frankly, do what you want. I don't care. I don't think anything after the 10th round is bad. But, man, I cannot justify, even in a tight end premium league, taking Tim Tebow. I just am not seeing the upside here. You know, it's a shame he's not listed in our, as a running back. Our guest would have uh, chosen him uh, in, in the draft this week. So I – but, you know, I, there's, no, there's no real fantasy value here. Uh, it, it is an interesting story. I, you know, the narrative that's coming out about fairness and opportunity, I, I, I will point out that uh, NFL owners and coaches all desire to win, but they want to win in their own way. That's what makes it every organization so unique and and so fun to understand what they're doing. And, and uh, you know, the coach has a plan for this player, and I think he does make the team. I don't think he goes through this to not make the roster unless he can can't physically go. And, and I'm sure that he uh, that's not the case. So uh, don't draft him. Sit back and and see what happens. And you know you'll. You'll find another reason if you don't like Tim Tebow now. You'll find another reason not to like him uh, if you uh, exhausted some draft capital on some very attractive Jacksonville Jaguar players that you expect to score touchdowns this year. Um, we, uh, I, I have a feeling, I have a sneaking suspicion, this is not going to be the last time we bring up Tim Tebow on this program this summer. Much right. more to come if you like Tim Tebow. Or even if you don't, we're still going to bring him up probably again before the start of the season. All right, we have to bring up our guest tonight. I want to welcome yes. him in right now, ladies and gentlemen. He is a winner of a half dozen Football Guys Players Championship Leagues. He's already knee-deep in a bunch more in 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Jeff Zedler. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show this Thursday, man. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Eric and Pharrell. Thank you for having me. We, yeah. You know, we, we're, excited. We're, we're excited to talk to you because this was one of those weird things where I was commissioning a draft. Um, Farrell, what was that? Was that Tuesday night? Yes, I think so. Tuesday night. So I was commissioning the draft. Jeff, you were in that draft. Farrell, you were in that draft. And it, we have so much to talk about with that draft because you and Farrell were actually drafting right next to each other, Jeff. You were in the five spot. Farrell was in the four. We're going to get to that in a second. Before we do break that draft down and get into your thoughts on strategy and, and game theory here, Jeff, can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living when you're not playing in the Football Guys Players Championship? Well, Eric, I'm sorry that you asked me to send a, a, you know, a picture of myself, I can just tell you that I'm extremely good looking and about 35. Yep. Okay, for starters. <laughs> okay, so young Brad Pitt out there. Right, right, Pharrell. Uh, Eric, I do two things. I'm a science fiction writer. I had a lot of success in the late 90s in LA selling spec scripts that were kind of, you know, sci fi, supernatural, with a lot of different mixed elements that. You know, you couldn't tell what reality was, uh, and I still do that. And then I run a small transcription translation service called transcriptionstudio.com. So I bounce back and forth between those two things. This is, this is crazy. Fascinating. I mean, we've, we've never had a sci-fi writer on the show, to my knowledge, I don't think. Uh, so this, this is exciting to, to get into this a little bit tonight, too. 
uh, Jeff, uh, with you. Um, have you, so you have not, when you say spec scripts, you, you don't, there was never, was there anything like picked up uh, by, by you anybody know, and, and, and turned into something that we might be familiar with? You know what? I wish. Uh, I had a, I had some, sold some really big scripts that got bidding wars between major studios and Hollywood. And they were kind of like, if you remember the sixth sense with Bruce Willis, Mm-hmm. Uh, where you don't know what's going on until the end, but but they were not made. There was still uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good money, but unfortunately they were not turned into films. So that's the next that's the next phase, hopefully. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Uh, you know, we're going to have to upgrade you. Did you have an agent pushing these scripts for you? Yes, uh, her name was Lee Keel at the Gersh Agency. Oh yeah, and she was great. You were she was great. You were lined up in the right place, so they could still, you know, you're you're in turnaround, but you could still, uh, we could still see these one of these days. Is there a market? Absolutely. Right now, with what's what's going on, is there a huge market for the, for this genre right now? I think there is, but it 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 shifted, of course, to alternate channels and cable, and the market right. has completely changed. Back then, they were spending a lot of money on ideas and scripts. I mean, three, four, five hundred grand for story ideas and scripts. They're not doing that anymore. But yes, there still is a market. It's just diversified over many more, you know, channels and uh, opportunities. I love it. Hey, um, Jeff, we, we'll, I promise, I, listen, to all the listeners, we, we will get into fantasy football. But um, I, <laughs> I, I do want to, there's a question from the chat room right now. Dave the Dizzle Gerzak wants me to ask you about triathlons, Jeff. What can you tell me about your participation in triathlons? <laughs> well, yes, I was a triathlete and did very well uh, and I ran under a six-minute mile up until about four or five years ago, and I won several medals in sprint and Olympic triathlons, you know, throughout Southern California. Anybody listening, you can do it. Uh, You look up sprint triathlon, and it's shorter than you think. So, yeah, thank you for Mm. asking, and I forgot to tell you that, Eric. But, yeah, it is the best. I recommend everybody try it. Uh, do you still, but do, yeah, you still and my, do them, Jeff, at all? You know, I, I don't because running became a little bit too painful. The doctors told me I kind of hit like a, like a vehicle, like an upper limit with my odometer. I still bike and swim. Uh-huh. My uh, beautiful daughter, Veronica, she also uh, competed with me in some of these triathlons, and I – I think it's great to do with your kids or family members. It's just you, you, you feel so great when you get finished. I, uh, no, good stuff, obviously. We, we certainly appreciate it there. We, we, um, I, I would love to talk more about triathlons and biking and swimming and running and, and sci-fi because I, I feel like this, this could turn into a series here. But for, the, for tonight, <laughs> um, we are going to switch it back to, to fantasy football. And I know Farrell, well, you have more than a few questions um, about Jeff's approach in, uh, in Tuesday night's football guys draft that, that you were in that I, I was commissioned. I'll let you take it away. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I, I loved it. I, I actually was, 
I've been drafting a lot of slow drafts. This is one of the live drafts that I did. And one of the reasons I don't do a lot of live drafts is it get very distracted. Phone calls, I thought this was late enough at night. It, it wasn't. And I'm going, where's the running backs? And I'm standing through this board, and I'm saying, Where, where's all the running backs? And they're right next to me. I'm in the I'm in the four slot. You're in the five. I can't see the proverbial forest for the trees. The guy next to me is drafting all the running backs. So, you know, I, I've – so just so the listeners know, Balky, do you want to go over the first eight picks Jeff did in this draft? Yeah, and then we'll get into that one. I want to get – yeah, I, I have it right here, and then we're going to talk about um, – Jeff will tell us um, the, the strategy here and um, and how game theory took played a role in this. So Jeff was at the five spot. He took Saquon Barkley. These are eight running backs to start off. Saquon Barkley in the first, Aaron Jones in the second, J.K. Dobbins in the third, Miles Gaskin in the fourth, Kareem Hunt in the fifth round, followed by Chase Edmonds in the sixth, and then Melvin Gordon goes to Jeff in the seventh. He finished the running back run for his team with Raheem Mostert in the eighth yeah. round. So that's basically um, what it was. So, so Jeff, um, let, let's get into this here because I, I think you have a very interesting take on why you did this and, and why you think it, it was beneficial. Yeah, I think, you know, Eric and, and, and Pharrell, and I'll tell you, I'm glad you were next to me, Pharrell, because now that I look back, I really enjoyed denying you those running backs. Uh, but you did get James <laughs> Robinson in the fifth. Um, the, I walk in, Eric, with an assumption, which is it being May, uh, predictability is extremely low. And you've been the commissioner on a number of drafts. And basically, you see the same people go in the same slot. And when we're drafting in May, we're all in the same boat. But what I'm trying to do is when I draft the running backs like I did, I didn't intend to do this. But I know half of them at least will not work out. Injuries. Uh, low-performing expectations, all that. So I'm basically trying to increase the predictability and leave myself with only one weakness in each draft. So of these eight, maybe three will work out. But I like to dictate and dominate. I don't like balance because I'm going to be cutting ten of the guys that I drafted team really, I'm only going to have to focus on wide receiver. If I can find one golden wide receiver, I'm going to be trouble. And I'm, I'm aiming for the big money. Yes. I have to get past my league, but if I'm going to get into the big money, I have to have a different roster makeup than everybody else. You know where I'm coming from? I hear I hear exactly what you're doing, and I thought you would at some point you would eventually quit putting green on the board, and you did that in the ninth round. This is where I was expecting the wide receivers because you got to start two of them, and we are very very deep at wide receiver this year, but it's a situation where once you get to uh, the ninth round. It's it's a mix of talent, a plug and play, an understanding of defenses. Uh, you don't take a wide receiver. You quit drafting running backs 
momentarily, or I guess no, for the entire draft, at the eighth round. But you didn't add your wide receiver until the 14th round. You added two quarterbacks. I only ever drafted one. You added two. Later on, you were to take a third one. You took one tight end, Gasecki, a guy I'm not very high on, but I don't think that's important to talk about. You took two defenses in this format, Rams and Pittsburgh, very good defenses. Both of them are going to play great throughout the entire year. But I don't know in the rules situation, you know, with, with the points and how they break down in the FFPC, if that's going to service you for two, especially taking them this high. Now, you've won multiple leagues, and all I can say is is that I've played in multiple leagues. So you, you've got the answers <laughs> to these questions. But, but you know, it, it, Cole Beasley, who I love as a player, uh, your first receiver in the 14th round. Uh, Jameson Crowder, who's likely to move on from the Jets and probably find a, a safe and soft landing spot for you. I like that. Uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, who is uh, – he catches 50 balls at Tennessee. That will be a big accomplishment. And A.J. Green, who's gone to early retirement in Arizona. So I'm curious where – why you didn't go receiver earlier? That that's that's where I don't that that's where I don't line up with what you're doing here. Because Pharrell, people expected me to, and mm-hmm. I'm try, Okay, so I'm trying to dictate from strength. To me, the mm-hmm. position, you know, Mike Gusecki and Raheem Mostert don't know they're on my fantasy team, okay, and or anybody else's. We're all playing within a closed system, and. There's nothing outside of that system. We're all using the, the, the same cards. And so with the defenses, it, it's, if I hit with one, then it'll be great. I, I can hit with the defense mm-hmm. or I can hit with the right wide receiver. At that point, I already know I'm too late in the game in wide receiver, which as I'm drafting, at that point I intend to do. Now I, I was hoping actually – for Kelsey to fall to me began, mm. but okay. you know, yes, normally I would agree with you. Just take one defense because defenses are traditionally really difficult to predict. Uh, but I'll tell you what, here's the advantage. I'm, I'm going to need one great receiver when I'm spending my fab money. I'm not going to have to spread it out. The disadvantage mm-hmm. is 11 other people are going to know that. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so Jeff, okay. Jeff, let me ask you this. Um, so, number one, um, I have two questions here. The first one I'm going to ask, um, you said you're, you're probably going to cut about half these guys, um, you know, during the course of the season. Does the fact that you drafted this team in – at least, right. Does the fact that you drafted this team in mid-May make that more likely that you're going to be cutting that, that, that many players off the, the, the players that you drafted, or if you were drafting the say in early September, does that number change for you at all? Eric, that's a good question. I believe it would change. The later we get, the more predictable this all becomes. Like Pharrell was pointing out, the wide receivers I'm drafting at the end really are just fillers. Um, it, you know, as we get into August and September, it's more knowable on who is going to fit in where and start and most likely get this and that, which is good. The problem is everybody else knows that too. So when I look back at these 
eight running backs. We all know one hot player can carry a team. If I'm if I'm lucky enough to to start four of those guys with all the buys and the injuries and the unpredictabilities, I could have a great team. Now, it's risky because if I don't get or find a wide receiver on waivers, I'm in a lot of trouble. But I like to roll the dice. You know, you only live once. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I just, it's, it's not my thing. Well, Jeff, I agree me, with that. Okay, and, so, and I so, think uh, Oh, is there a second question you had, Bucky? I think it's the question. Yeah, yeah. Let me just let me let me just ask this real quick because it, it kind of piggybacks on it. So, so Jeff, um, when we were emailing back and forth um, about this draft, um, let me phrase the question this way: You ended up taking eight running backs. Obviously, did the fact that the, the team with the one hundred and one here taking McCaffrey in the first round and, and then following that that um, pick up with six straight receivers. How much did that affect what you, you did from the five spot then in the first eight rounds? Huge, huge, because he, he started to recognize what I was doing and tried to counter in, in a game of tit for tat. The problem is, in my opinion, and he had to go, if you look at his, his draft from nine to 16, he had to take seven running backs. So, mm-hmm. He just had to do that, but he recognized it early and, and realized that he should just counter me. And, you know, I, I always read the board and try and react to what others are doing, Eric, but I try to disrupt. And when I get messages on the board, like I did that night with people <laughs> pissed off and upset, <laughs> then I'm doing my job. Okay. There, they're expecting all these guys, these 11 other guys are expecting me to do this. Well, you know what? I'm not cooperating. I'm doing my own thing, period. I'm not here to make friends, even though I'm open to it. Well, you know, guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like the guy who was at the party that didn't, didn't hear the band play because I'm not really aware of anything of this was going on. I wasn't looking at the, uh, I wasn't looking at the draft uh, board. I, I auto drafted Noah Fant at one time because uh, the, the phone froze up on me, and I decided to live with it because I like a two t- uh, tight end tiered system in this <laughs> anyway. And I really didn't. I'm always a little light, Jeff, on the running backs anyway. So it, it, it I didn't feel that uh, you were you were getting the running backs or keeping me from getting the running backs I wanted. I uh, I did have to go and uh, take Philip Lindsay and Latavius Murray much earlier than I thought I would have to because uh, there was there was nothing else left there. What what here's something that's interesting to me because there you, you talk about going out and you have to find that uh, you have to find that wide receiver. And I think that could be difficult. And I, I think one of the best things that might happen to you is somebody give up too early on a very good wide receiver that was drafted. I've seen that happen before too. But why three quarterbacks? Um, because you're in a situation there where the quarterback depth and the availability, now that the draft is over, there's still good quarterbacks on the board. Why didn't you hit a couple more receivers there rather than spend that draft capital on those three quarterbacks? 
because I'd rather be strong at quarterback than weak at wide receiver, which I was already destined to be at that point. So I made a decision to be strong where people didn't expect me to be strong at that point. You can't wait on everything. I didn't want to, at the end of this, this draft, Pharrell, have to work on quarterback, wide receiver, defense. I just wanted to work on one thing. So I, I intentionally leave myself weak at just one position, not two or not three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, a lot of these people I know and they know me. And tonight I was in another draft and I did something completely different. Sure. Uh, but, but, yeah, I'm, it, it's like, Pharrell, I'm calling a team tryout. So I'm going to have Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Ryan Tannehill. I'm, I'm going to cut one of them. Okay, but at that point, I didn't like what was left on wide receiver, and I have faith. We all know, everybody out there listening knows, we bid in a massive frenzy every week for new players. The reason for that is that this game is unpredictable and unforeseeable. If it weren't, we wouldn't be bidding every week. So does that answer your question? To a, to a degree, um, I've got one quarterback, and I'm going to stay in touch with you throughout the year because I think you're a most intriguing guy. Uh, I think I think you could appear on podcasts uh, handling 12 to 15 different subject matters across the week and, and, yeah. and keep everyone enthralled. But now I'm going to say that my one quarterback um, will outperform your three or once you cut down to two, and I, and I took my one quarterback after you took your two. Um, but – I'm not going to quibble with you over that. I want to move to tight end, which is some, which is something in this league is is very important. You know the rules. We don't we don't need to explain them here. Um, you went with Gusecki. Uh I'm not a big fan, and I'm curious if you are or you just thought that's the best player available. And then I'm intrigued with your draft in the 17th round of Hayden Hurst. A lot of people might smirk at that. But I wasn't one. I thought that was one of the most clever picks you made in the entire draft, and I would like to see your thought process of, of choosing those two tight ends. Well, I, you know, look, I agree with you partially on Gasecki. I'm not super high on him. At that point, I had to get out of running backs, and I think everybody was expecting me to to dump into wide receiver, which I would have done if Will Fuller had made it a little further, or Pittman, which you grabbed. So I got Gusecki because I know he at least has potential. When we were coming back on the 10th, I was hoping for uh, Johnu Smith. But when he went, when I got sniped one pick before, I, I, at that point I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to get into quarterback. So, uh, hopefully that'll that'll answer your question. But yeah, I do agree. Gasecki, you know, here I had him, and he was just an all-or-nothing player. I think Hayden Hurst is in a really good system. Uh, they throw a lot, and everybody thinks Pitts is going to win that job. I think mm-hmm. he will too. But what if he doesn't? Yeah, I, I what so, I think there is there's going to be two jobs, and they're going to be on the field quite often, and Pitts is going to be moving all over the field, and Hayden Hurst is coming off a year where he was 
his most successful year in the league, and I think he continues to to be successful. Balky, you got a question, or can I come in with one more? I, um, I'll take. Um, no, go ahead. I got a couple more, but go ahead, Farrell, right now, and and um, and I'll, I'll ask Mike yeah. here shortly. Uh, yeah, I want to finish up because I want to let Balky to ask some follow up questions of this because I love the way you think about this, and and I. Uh, you see, I come from a background where we, uh, and, and forgive me, but the old scouts always say something that, that has always bothered me with my years in the business. They always says, "Well, this is an inexact science." That's how they explain all the poor decisions they make. And and you know, I I think that you have to stand by your decisions. But where I would differ from you is that you think this is very unpredictable. And I believe it's somewhat predictable or I wouldn't be playing it. My ability to predict it is what I enjoy about drafting it. Uh, you made a statement about the defenses being unpredictable, and and uh, that's the only thing you said tonight that I really disagree about because, you know, to me that's the easiest thing to predict. I just don't think you need two of them here. How sweet it would have been if you were to grab one more wide receiver there. But I, I think, uh, you know, coming from how you view and consume football and how you like it, I think you found a very entertaining way to go about it. And you are going to, uh, you are going to draw a lot of interest from your league mates uh, when you go to that waiver wire is everybody's going to be looking at first what they need and second what you might need. And uh, I think you've created uh, I think you've created something there that you personally might find very entertaining uh, when the waiver wires run to see uh, how you do week in week out. Well, I'll tell you what. Just show me a little mercy, Pharrell, on that that waiver wire. Okay? <laughs> if you do, oh, I'll, I'll buy you a chocolate cake, a couple pizzas, whatever you need. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right, and 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 like I was saying, that was the risk. But don't forget uh, the potential benefit benefit here, right? What if out of those eight running backs, four of them hit big? I'm going to be a problem. Okay, now now that's the gamble, and I like to, you know, to live to live with the gamble. And the other thing is too is. I'm more about strategy and tactics. You know, I can't tell you what Jamison Crowder is doing right now or Brevin Jordan or Traquan Smith or Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, but and I have a lot of friends, by the way, who are extremely knowledgeable, more so than me, like uh, Kurt Kekas, who's the Altadena assassin, uh, Jay Harding, John Bragg, Dan Ryan. These are just a few of my friends who are very, very knowledgeable with player selection. I assume all 11 of my competitors aren't worse than I am, but they're better. And so I have to do something, and this is my way of doing it. All right, so, so Jeff, let me ask you this. So there is, um, historically, um, there's been statistical trends that would tell you that the variance in running back performance is relatively high. It is relatively lower in receiver and perhaps even tight end. Do you consider variance when you're applying a strategy like this in 
when you take in, in into account injuries, um, people losing jobs, people winning jobs, opportunity costs. Do you take that into to um to account when you do something like this? Or at this point in mid May is is unpredictability the name of the game and that's what you have to assess when you're when you're drafting these teams. You know, Eric, can you give me an example of what you're talking about? Okay. So like okay, so I have seen okay, um zero uh zero R B is a good example, right? So the zero R B right, strategy right. people have employed you know, however many years it's been, six or seven years, where they'll take four receivers or in a tight end or four receivers and a quarterback or five receivers, what have you, and then they'll kind of cobble the running backs together in the mid-rounds, hoping to hit on one, maybe two of them, right? Because running back is, is an opportunistic position where you don't necessarily see that at one wide receiver or tight end. So do you ever consider variance and, and maybe going eight receivers in a row or something like that? instead of running backs? How much does, does that play into to this type of strategy? Well, th- there, there's a thousand ways to win and a thousand ways to lose. And I think in the end, these things are, when we look at the, at, at the variants that go into this, they're fractions. And the, the 10 fantasy football scoring slots we have, teams every Sunday, they don't know where the points are coming from. So it really has nothing to do with eight running backs or eight receivers or eight tight ends. In this case, I'm trying to at least ensure that I'm dictating from some strength to build upon. Because if, if I had drafted a team of balance in May, I think there's a far greater likelihood that I'm going to be cutting more of those players come September. So in this case, right, it's really unlikely that I'm going to be cutting my worst running backs. I'm not going to be cutting my tight end. I'm not going to be cutting probably at least two of my quarterbacks nor my defenses. So there's a good chance that I'm going to be holding on to 13 or 14 of these slots, which I think is very difficult to do over the course of a season. And then it will allow me to laser focus on what I truly, really need. And, of course, it comes with a lot of risk because, like Pharrell said, people are going to be watching. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It, I, I, I think that that is a, a, a solid explanation for that as well. Um, one other thing I, I want to point out here, and, and I think this is going to be a, an opportunity for you to, to kind of expound on everything you've been talking about tonight. Um, when it relates to strategy and tactics um, in, in drafting. How much more important, as important, less important is that than actual player analysis? Because based on a lot of the stuff you've been saying tonight, somebody could walk in with a casual knowledge of, of high-stakes fantasy football, apply something like this, and be very successful, right? So to me, right. uh, when you look at it from that point, tactics and strategy – might trump actual player evaluation, right? Yes. And, and look at your, Eric, look at your own life. How much can you predict is going to happen in it tomorrow, right, or Pharrell? You can predict a certain amount of events that will happen tomorrow, but the further out you get, the less you can predict. And that's why I think it's a big mistake to draft for balance in May or June 
or perhaps even July. So player analysis is great, but, you know, I don't know how much uh, Carson Wentz is working out right now or sticking to an all-broccoli diet. You know, in order to, you know, in order to drill down for that information, I'd have to spend my whole life doing it. This is why I put tactics and original strategy above player knowledge. Now, as we get closer to September, I think that flips. Because if somebody knows, hey, Javian Hawkins, is going to be a great running back and have an opportunity, then that's going to have an opportunity. That's going to have a chance to trump what I'm doing right now. So what I'm doing, guys, can only last so long. I think this is, Farrell, a, I think I am- this is a lot of fun. I, I think that um, I think that I might have a nightmare with it in in choosing the right four running backs, because I really, seven of them, uh, seven of your eight, I, I'm I'm really very much in favor of. I really like these players, I, all of them that you put together. So I can only play four of them. So which four am I going to play? I think I think that's where your your skills will be challenged, because you've, you've got to have peak performance out of those four positions is what I see. Uh, so, but the other thing to keep in mind, Farrell, is is maybe, and I know you like seven of the eight. The other thing to keep in mind is we we've seen fantasy football drafts before. You know, it would be very it, kudos to Jeff if he nails all eight of these. But I don't think he's going to yeah. be choosing from eight running backs every week. You know what I mean? Because not all these guys are going to hit. There will be a few busts among them, and it's going to make it it will make it easier from a start sit standpoint when when it comes to Sundays, right? I don't see ne- I don't see necessarily too many busts in these in these players, Balky, but maybe maybe so. And you know, Jeff, we've had players come on the show and talk about uh, what they did in free agency in August and, and September last year, uh, most notably with James Robinson, who was a free agent. And so, you know, it's it's much more legitimate to believe that free agent wide receivers will show themselves as being value that you can. Uh, uh, that you can pick up. So I, I very much believe that you can uh, you can go forward with this and, and, and make it work. I doubt if I'm going to do it, but damn it to hell, I'm going to be tempted. So, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> I'm going I'm to leave the quarterbacks and the defenses on the board, uh, but uh, I, I see where you're coming from, and it's going to be great to compete with you in, uh, in this league and uh, see how it all works out. If, if if I don't get it, I sure as hell hope you do. We we had a guy here in Kentucky once, and Balky may remember it. Uh, Balky is your your good friend Brad Taylor. Uh, we we were at, we have a league called Big Payback Standalone Twelve Team Division, and uh, he drafted uh, seventeen players before taking the quarterback, including defense and kickers, <laughs> and and everybody loved it. And when he took that kicker before the defense. Everybody stood up and laughed and gave him a big applause. So, see, this might there be a was, technique that I, I, you need to I, take I, to the live drafts. And, and I'll tell you this, Phil, too. Like, that was that was one of the last drafts of the weekend, wasn't it? That was like the, the Sunday yes. afternoon big payback at, in Louisville. And, yes. and so I remember I was there all weekend. The loudest applause I heard all weekend was when Brad Taylor finally took a quarterback in the 17th or 18th round or whatever it was. Everybody went crazy. It was awesome. I don't remember how he did in that league. 
but certainly uh, waiting, he took waiting on a quarterback to a new level. Not well because his quarterback was Sam Bradford, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> ah, he, did, yeah. Yeah, he did have a great deal of fun. They're, they're not know, all winners, I, kids, I, but they are all fun. I, I wanted to jump in and say with Pharrell that, you know, in, it, it would be a good nightmare, okay, if I had uh-huh. quarterbacks to choose from. But as we know, there's such heavy attrition at that position that it's quite unrealistic for me to even dream of that possibility of having eight on any given Sunday. So I don't even make that assumption. I make the assumption that I'll be lucky to have four, but the the upside is that I could find in those eight, two who are are just killing it every week. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can play the matchups. I can, I can be strong when other, when other players aren't buys. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I look at it. There's, there's just, it, you know, be a dream come true to have all eight active and healthy and keeping their jobs and performing. That's just not a realistic expectation for me. A uh, realistic okay. expectation for us is, is, is seeing Jeff Zedler win more football guys leagues as he has already got six of them under his belt. And uh, glad, so glad, Jeff, we, we got a chance to talk about this draft from Tuesday tonight. You know, Fantasy Fool is in the chat right now. Um, in on Blog Talk Radio and talking about um, that he's drafted with you several times and um, he said he didn't he, he wasn't a huge fan of of uh, Tuesday's draft but he says um, the other ones that he's competed with you against uh, in and uh, the one that he drafted against you tonight uh, you put together very strong teams there as well I have no doubt that you're going to be very competitive for the five hundred thousand dollar grand prize. As the season goes on, I cannot thank you enough for coming on tonight and talking a little shop with us. Good luck on uh, on uh, all your drafts. I, I can't wait to see your name pop up as an Emmy Award winning scriptwriter coming up here in the next decade. And um, perhaps, <laughs> well, maybe not a triathlete winner, but maybe a, a, a bike race champ or a uh, swim champ. We, uh, we would love to have you come back on and, and talk about any and all of those things. We certainly appreciate making a little time for us tonight. Yeah, thank you both. I'm honored to be invited. Pharrell, I expect to beat you in this league. I think you'll be tough, but I do love Devonta Smith in the eighth. Okay, so thank you guys anytime, and I appreciate your time as well. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. You be good, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Likewise, gentlemen. Thank you. Jeff Zedler. Thank you so much. Jeff Zedler, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, uh, Area 51 was his team name, drafting next to Farrell Elliott on Tuesday night in the Football Guys Players Championship, six-time award or six-time league winner in the Football Guys Players Championship. So, Farrell, a lot to unpack here. Um, I know that the chat room was a buzz with discussion of, of a lot of the stuff that that Jeff was talking about. Um, the first thing I'll bring up with you: what's your opinion on? And and I guess you can break this down on um, early season drafting, mid-season, late-season drafting. He says he doesn't like balance. Um, where, where he would much rather be super strong. You hear Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys talk about this a lot from an NFL standpoint. Why not make your strength even stronger? And, um, uh-huh. and, and, and I think that was sort of Jeff's approach, right? Obviously, he wants to be uber strong at running back. And, and I think that the fact that he got those two defenses in the 12th and 13th, he probably feels like he's going to be very strong there. He gets Hurts and Joe Burrow he probably, and Tannehill, and, he, and he, just assuming that two of those guys are going to hit and the other one he'll end up dropping. 
But so really, and, and you know, you could say what you will about his tight ends, Gesicki and Hurst. I, I, I don't think they're all that great, um, but you could work with them. To me, and I, I, you know, you don't need a PhD in fantasy football to see this. He is going to need help at receiver. He is going to have to hit on the receivers on the waiver wire right. What is your opinion on drafting a balanced team? Are you in favor of it, or would you rather be strong everywhere but one spot? I'm going to take the best players. I'm going to get enough players to cover um, necessary positions. That's sort of a bailout answer. But, I, you know, I, live, I want at least five running backs. And if, if good receivers keep falling to me, then that's who I'm going to take, and vice versa. I don't necessarily think his team is that much out of balance. I think with his eight running backs and the way the draft was falling and how he was making everyone else scramble to grab running backs, that there was low-hanging fruit of wide receivers that he wouldn't pick while he was picking players that are going to give him lesser points at other positions. And he did not need both these defenses. He, you know, he, just, he just didn't need it. Now, look. I think that he's he's having a blast doing this, and his his uh, his drafts may be like some of his scripts. His scripts are sitting, you know, they're sitting on a shelf somewhere, and somebody's going to pick one up and say, "Hey, we can do something with this," and and you know, then then we'll have a hard time getting Jeff on the phone to play as many fantasy teams. As <laughs> it. It'll be great, and you know, and so. You know, you you come back to this and you say, well, you know, what would I have done differently with this? Not a whole hell of a lot. And maybe, you know, maybe it did a hybrid of my philosophy and his philosophy and we could have some fun with this. I I think it's, uh, you know, I think he's, he's on to something here with, with make your strength even stronger. Uh, I don't think he is aware that in his running backs um, – uh, you know, you, you take injury out of the equation. If these guys stay healthy, uh, you know, he's <laughs> sometimes it's hard. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to make any lineup changes on Sunday morning. Think long, think wrong would be the Baldwin way of going about it. Yes, yeah, uh, that you know, is. He, you are one hundred percent right. He he needs to make his lineup decisions after his waiver wires. Well, no, they run on Sunday morning. Yeah, he's going to drive himself crazy with this team. But he could win and drive everybody else crazy with it, which would be fun. But I, I was I was hoping I would get a different Hayden Hurst answer. That's the only place uh, where he let me down because I think a lot of people are sleeping on Hayden Hurst. Oh well, we'll see what happens with that too, for sure. And 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 Farrell, I mean, you know, to your point, if Hurst and Pitts are on the field at the same time, um, that will open a lot a, a lot for Hurst. And if Julio Jones does get traded, which we didn't talk about on the show tonight because we only have an hour, mm-hmm. but Julio Jones, if he is traded, that is, I mean, then you're talking about Ridley, Pitts, and and Hurst. They, they don't exactly have a lot of pass-catching threats out of the backfield, uh, with apologies to um, Dave Gerzak about Mike Davis, who I want to believe in, just can't, and I'm probably wrong, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, getting back to one other thing that you said tonight, Farrell, when you're talking about his running back, you said you like seven of the eight running backs that he had drafted in the first eight rounds. Who was the one that you didn't like, just curiously? I'm not a big Edmonds guy with where he took it. I oh, okay. Is it because of Connor? Uh, it is. It is. Um, and and it's, it's, 
it's because of the quarterbacks, because of the receivers, it's because of a lot of things out there. You know, so I, I'm just not that. I think I would have done something different uh, uh, with with uh, Edmonds. He could have he could have gone Carter. He could have gone Sermon. If he, you know, if he knew he was getting Mostert, how interesting that would have been to have had Sermon. Some things that I would have done a little different there, but you know, got eight of them. All right. Maybe for him, it doesn't matter who they are. Well, it may, may it may not. And and one of the things, and I'll, two of the things I want to emphasize here uh, about um, Jeff Sedler is is number one, he puts a, he does not, in our emails that we've exchanged, he does not to be a player evaluator, right? Uh, a talent evaluator, mm-hmm. a fantasy evaluator. He is all about, you know, being, you know, uh, the Joker in the Dark Knight, right? He's an agent of chaos, at least this early in the season. And he created a lot of mm-hmm. chaos in that draft last night. And, and they're, you know, say what you will about it, but, but he defended why he did what he did. I don't necessarily yeah. know if it's going to work out for him, but I understand where he's coming from. And this is the second thing I want to bring up. And by the way, Todd Hunter is the fantasy fool in the chat room tonight uh, who has drafted against Jeff several times. And um, this draft that we discussed with Jeff Zedler tonight, this is not a traditional Jeff Zedler draft. This is a very unique draft, not only for everyone else, but for Jeff too. Like this is not this is a unicorn type draft for him, and so I don't no, want to make it seem I was like hoping this was the listeners. Like, no, 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 no. This is not oh, something that he yeah, normally that he normally exhibits in, in football guys drafts. Farrell, the last question I have for you tonight about this, um, and and we'll uh, we'll chew on this till till next Friday. Um, he said uh, that he's probably going to cut double digit players off this team, um, you no, know, throughout the season, it. and I get that because okay, so so this is interesting because. It's in early May, and, and I understand how player values can change with injuries and, and what have you, but when you're drafting a team in early to mid-May as opposed to late August, early September, do you envision yourself cutting a significant more amount of players in these May drafts than these late-season drafts? Absolutely not, because I, I like the players, and I'm going to be a little bit more conservative early. And, and you know, Bucky, i got to be honest, until we had the slow draft concepts, I never drafted early. I never got to draft this early before. So, you know, as far as the, as far as the time element of when we're drafting, this is all very, very new to me. But uh, in, in the players that, that I put together on my team, you know, injuries notwithstanding, uh, situations, uh, you know, I had a couple old guys here that, you know, might be forced out or might be forced to retire, but I, I like the team I put together, so no. And I've got a couple rookies that may not work out uh, 16 rounds plus, but, you know, uh, no, I, I don't uh, I don't think I'm going to be trying to upgrade this roster, but, you know, uh, goes back to that James Robinson example. You know, he was a free agent in a couple of leagues last year, and I didn't bite on it because I in those leagues I had gone early running back, so I liked my running back, so I was happy. Big, big, big mistake. So, you know, who knows? I, I think about, you know, just going back to last year, and, and I know I had a few teams like this. Think about the teams that, that went with Alvin Kamara in the, in the early part of the mm-hmm. first round, and then also got James Robinson in the mid rounds or late yes. rounds or picked him up off the waiver wire. I mean, you are set at that point. You are loaded for bear with those two players, and it could happen again this year. Who are those players this year? 
Well, keep listening to the show. We'll try to tell you who they're going to be so you can try to win a half million dollars in the FFPC <laughs> or the Football Guys Players Championship this year. Farrell, can't thank you enough for uh, hopping aboard on a Thursday night, dude. We will be back on Friday uh, with another guest, and we'll talk to you then. And, and maybe we'll have another Zedler-type draft to talk about. You never know. You know, it would be fun. It might be a Zedler copycat in myself. <laughs> be good, dude. Have a great weekend. See ya. That was Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Remember to sign up for the main event there going on both in Cincinnati, Louisville, and online at kffsc.com. You can't wait for that long. That's no problem. The Checkered Flag Championship is open there. $200 entry fee. You can win a $5,000 grand prize competing against fewer than 100 other players, including myself, who I just happen to be the defending champion that, uh, of that uh, competition. Hashtag real life humble brag. All right, that is going to do it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to uh, Jeff Zedler. Thanks to Farrell Elliott, uh, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and of course, each and every one of you. My apologies, we did not get to emails tonight. I promise you we will get to them next Friday when we return at 10, 9 central. Last thing I will say, um, 11 days left to save $100 on the FFPC main event. So if you plan on joining, if you join in the next 11 days, not only are we going to take $100 off your entry fee, but you'll also be entered into the pros versus Joe's drawing where you can compete with, um, uh, with uh, 41 other Joe's and 42 other industry pros for seven separate 2022 FFPC main event entries. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll broadcast those right on this show as well. So if you want to get on that, myffpc.com slash main event. Don't forget about the Dynasty Startups and the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship early bird. You can compete against guys like Jeff Zedler and get a $35 FFPC team credit to do it as well. We'll do that up to three times for every FPC league you join by June 30th and draft by July 15th. The inaugural FFPC Best Ball Tournament is also underway. $125 entry, you can win a $100,000 grand prize, and it's a $550,000 prize pool. Make sure you are signing up for that. A lot of great stuff going on. And by the way, you know, it's not all just high stakes with the FFPC and, and KFFSC. If you want to get on on the FFPC, you've never played in the league before, you listen to the podcast, you want to compete against these guys, remember the league start off at $5. So you can get in on the Cinco de Baseball, check it out, and then work your way up. Maybe you'll be a half million dollar winner before you know it. Thanks so much for tuning in on a Thursday night for, uh, for everyone listening and uh, streaming later. Your uh, official early start to the weekend. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. One other thing I wanted to bring up tonight, and I know it was a jam-packed show. Uh, Jeff was great. Farrell was great, obviously. Um, so the reason we're doing the show tonight uh, is because tomorrow I have my annual uh, poker tournament with a lot of my high school friends uh, that we have been doing um, not since high school ended, but pretty close. This is, this, um, the, the iteration tomorrow will be the 20th year we've done this poker tournament. And 
we've gotten anywhere from, you know, 10 guys up to 30 guys. Obviously, people move all over the country, all over the world. They have wives. They have families. Stuff happens. They can't always get back. But, you know, by and large, a lot of these guys get back at, at some point. And um, the fact that we've been doing it for 20 years is, is pretty awesome to me. Now, here's what I, here's what I'm going to tie it into fantasy football. Jules McLean, who's obviously a FFPC player, um, and I believe with Fantasy Points now, if, if I remember correctly, uh, used to host a podcast called Fantasy Freakin' Football. It, it, was, it was the um, podcast for her website, Fantasy Freakin' Football. And she did this. Her co-host was Garrett Matheny, um, who, another guy, a, a noted high-stakes player. Um, Garrett Matheny brought this up on the, podca- on the Fantasy Freakin' Football podcast, and um, I, I totally am a subscriber to this. Um, he, he has a similar thing to this. They call it the sausage party where it's a bunch of him and his friends from high school and they each bring a bottle of scotch and they, they, they have a, like a, a beach house somewhere in California that the, 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 one of their friend zones and they, they, they go there, they, they have everything catered in and everybody brings a bottle of scotch, whatever. And they stay overnight and, and it's a sausage party where they get to see these guys that they haven't had, um, you know, you know, since, since high school it was the last time they, they've seen them except for this one event. And he said this. And this is how I'm going to tie it in. I know this is a long walk for a short drink of water. Um, if you have any of these things in your lives where you get to see all these people once a year, every year, um, don't ever skip it. Don't ever stop it. Don't ever take a break from it. Because the one time you do, that's when it's so difficult to sell it to the wives, to sell it to the girlfriends, the significant others or whatever, because they, they'll say, well, you know, you missed it last year. You don't have to uh, do it anymore. Keep doing it every year. Keep it up. Um, t- time is, is a finite uh, thing here on Earth, and um, enjoy it while you can. You don't want to miss it any year. That's my advice for you tonight. I'm excited for the tournament tomorrow, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. Thank you for indulging me, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great weekend.